So, uh, good evening. Uh, that was the only joke I could think of, so that's out of the way. Uh, my name's Uriah. Um, I've been attending Midtown for 12 years. My wife and I have um, been a part of the College of Young Adults class mostly. We've led worship, discipled, been all over. Um, we're in LFBI, I've graduated, and so you've probably seen us around. Um, but if we haven't seen you, we'd love to meet you. We've been here for a long time. Um, so yeah, happy Mother's Day. Let's get that out of the way. I don't have a lot to say about Mother's Day, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't think very hard about that. Um, but then, you know, obviously happy Mother's Day, most of all, to the smoking hot wife. <laughs> the mother of my kids, um, Havala, so. Anyways. Today we're going to be talking about good ground, um, the qualities that you'll find in it, uh, what qualities make ground not good, how to remain good ground, and the consequences of not being good ground. So you can turn in your Bibles to Luke 8, um, and I'm going to pray one more time and then we'll get started, all right? So Lord, we love you. Um, Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for um, your word and how good it is. Lord, thank you for speaking to us, for uh, working in our lives, Lord, for for not giving up on us, for for being good, Um, just always being there, always providing, always making a way for us, God. We, this morning, want to hear from you. Lord, would you uh, move me out of the way and just have your message go forth, and and Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, you in Luke 8? Good? Thumbs up? Everyone's in Luke 8? Ready to go? All right. So this section, section, this first section we're going to talk about is, is going to be what is not good ground. And so we're going to start reading in Luke 8 and verse 4, and we'll stop in verse 7. And this is the parable of the sower. And when much people, verse 4, when much people were gathered together, were come to him out of every city, he spake a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it. And so our first key point this morning is that any ground that disrupts the fruitful planting of a seed is not good ground. All right, so you can jot that down, and then I'll skip down in verse 11, and I'm gonna keep reading when Jesus is explaining this parable. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Verse 13, they on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So what we see is, is that you know, this, this not good ground is ground that does not hold fast to the seed of the word of God. These are just some qualities that, that you can pick out of these verses. It doesn't hold fast. When, when the seed gets there, it's, it's not holding on to it. It's, something's happening to the seeds. That's one quality. Ground that does not produce roots, that, that seed isn't able to germinate, it's not able to grow, it's not able to get into the, the soil there. And then it's ground that prefers that that seed wasn't there in the first place. It's ground that welcomes the thorns and the briars and the weeds and the temptations and everything else of this world. Those are qualities of the ground. So when we as ground, uh, we're bad ground, when we do not place value on the word of God, um, as bad ground, we're bad ground when we don't cultivate a faithful lifestyle. Um, when we as ground, when we chase after the world, that's, that's bad ground. Not only um, does the parable of the sower, you know, you'll talk about it a lot when you're talking about, you know, evangelism or salvation or, you know, you're trying to witness the, or share the gospel. You're trying to plant seeds into someone's life. And so it's, it's not only applies to that, but but these things are also true of us in terms of how, how we hear the gospel, but also in, in how we live the gospel. So how you live today, you know, it can also be, you can also look at how you, how, what kind of ground you are in terms of how you're living today, how you're dealing with the seed. This parable applies to our daily living. 
And it is imperative that we as Christians are not identified as bad ground. The type of soil or ground that we are is reflected in how we live, how we absorb the word of God and where we set our affections. It becomes an extreme point of emphasis that we do not treat the word of God as the world would have us to, right? As the world examples. So as the world departs from biblical truth, I mean, look around, isn't, isn't the world departing from biblical truth? And into all kinds of make-believe truth mindsets, things will only get worse and worse. There is, no, there is no other option. Without vision, the people perish, and without truth, how can there even be a vision? A hot topic among the world today, um, you've probably heard social justice, and I'm not going to get into all that or, or get, get too into it, but I'm sure if you have a phone or a TV, you've, you've heard something about justice, social justice, or something like that. Racial justice, uh, gender justice, social justice, all kinds. Protesters, um, I mean, I don't know how closely you're following any of this stuff, but in New York, there's a deal going on, and the protesters are holding up the signs that say, no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace, like N-O, no justice, and then K-N-O-W, no justice, no peace. So they're asking, you know, if there's no justice, there won't be any peace, but if we know justice, there'll no peace. But this is a characteristic of bad ground. Rather than receiving truth about justice in the word, instead, this ground rejects the truth and welcomes disaster. This ground is begging to be trodden, picked apart by fowls of the air, dried up, blown away, unrooted. It's begging to be choked out by thorns. There's no hope here, and they're missing the truth on justice. Justice can only be found in Jesus Christ, and when we see Jesus Christ, the justice, it's not going to be a happy time for those of us of poor ground quality. But we will talk, we're going to talk more about that later. We saw in the parable that bad ground rejects the seed of the word of God in multiple ways, but everything but, everything but good ground is bad ground. You can know what sort of ground you are by reflecting on how you handle the word of God. So if I step back and I look, how am I receiving the word of God? How does my daily devotion with the word of God look like? I can take a, a, an informed investigation on what kind of ground I am. Do we desire the word or is it something that we'll get around to if there's time for it? Do we reflect on what we've read or we, do we just skim through it to check it off our daily agenda? So bad ground, here's the word of God. We sit through a sermon, we hear a faithful word in Bible study, we receive counsel and rather than, than settle it in us, it's stolen away. Bad, bad ground doesn't grab onto the words of the Bible. Bad ground is excited to hear the word. You know, we're, we're excited to listen when we're bad ground. Bad ground will be excited to hear. It'll be all over the podcasts. It'll be caught up on every, every YouTube sermon and can't seem to get enough, but the word isn't there long enough to grow roots before something else is swept in. And there's no patience here, no temperance. Bad ground is that which hears, but their heart is already so full of vines and thorns and weeds that there's no room for that word to flourish. It's too crowded. There are too many other pursuits, too many other idols, too, too many other plants growing in this ground. And so that's a little bit about bad ground. Uh, now we're going to move on to section two. What is good ground? And hopefully, the, hopefully my goal is to tie all this together at the end. So if, you, if you're a little confused, just put your seatbelt on. Section two, what is good ground? So Luke 8, again, and then pick it up in verse 8, where he talks about the actual good ground. And other fell, the, so the seeds, the word of God, other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit in hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Good ground is faithful and holds fast to the word of God. Good ground seeks it. And once we get it, nothing can pry it out of our hands. We're, we're holding fast to it. it it's, it's settled in this good ground. Good ground is faithful and full of faith and allows the word of God to grow roots in it. We don't hear the word and forget about it by next Sunday. We allow the Spirit to write it on our hearts. We're trying to memorize it. We allow it to mold the way that we talk, the way that we think, the way we drive, the way that we work, the way we raise our kids, the way we date, the way we love our spouses. We're allowing the Word of God to shape those qualities of our life. That's what good ground does. Good ground puts away the temptations of the world. It sets aside sin that would destroy us or waste our time. Key point number two. Good ground allows the seed of the Word of God to flourish. 
And for an example, look at those who came before us. Good ground, who received the word of God and in faith believed it. Noah, who had an entire world doing evil around him, held fast to what, the, to what God told him, and he was saved because of it. And, and you can be turning to Hebrews 11 if you want, but Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, and Moses and Rahab, these are all examples of good ground. I'm not going to do this for you, but you can look up those names. You can go to Hebrews 11 and you can look up these stories and look and find attributes of, of someone being good ground. But I'm going to read here in Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? So after he's listed all these people who were faithful, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of David also, and, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. This good ground, these faithful people, they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the, in, the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised again to life. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain of the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of all the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And so these works, the glorious result of, of, of a fruitful working of God in good ground, you see anyone can plant, anyone can water, as, as Paul talks about him and Apollos and, and us, when we go out in, in our Bible studies and we go out and we evangelize, anyone can plant seeds, anyone can water seeds, but ultimately God is who gives the increase. And if you're good ground, there's no telling what God can do in your life. It's only explainable, like being sawn asunder, being stopping the mouths of lion, lions, turning whole armies away. The only explanation is that God is giving increase in those lives, is that God is working in the ground that, that received his word there. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we also, so we also, are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which, which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so I'd ask you to evaluate this morning. What kind of ground are you right now? You know, we have basically bad ground or good ground, and you can look and you can, you can see through the parable there what specifically type you are, but... What kind of ground are we? What will remain of the plant growing from my life? What's weighing me down, if anything? What's spoiling my ground? What's distracting my choices? What are we allowing to cloud our thoughts? What are we letting into our, our minds that lead us to choosing um, to let this flesh stay alive? Why do we keep allowing what's already dead, our flesh, to dictate what we do? Luke 8:15 says, but that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth, fruit, bring forth fruit with patience. Patience is a key point that sometimes gets overlooked. So my kids, uh, my kids and I, this is totally coincidental, my kids and I planted um, some little, they, they wanted to plant some little flowers. And so we, we tore apart some egg cartons and filled them with dirt put some seeds in there and watered them. And they were so excited and they, they watered them and, and whatever. And they were just so excited, but they couldn't seem to wrap their heads around the fact that it's gonna take some time, that they're gonna to have to example or live out some patience in order to see some flowers bloom from these dirt and egg cartons. And so my oldest son, Zebo, we get done planting and he's already, he's already planting. He's like, all right, so we're gonna take our naps here in the sunroom, that's where our flowers are. I'm gonna take a nap here, I'm gonna sleep here. I'll go get the sleeping bag. I'll, I'll just make sure that I'm here with these plants every second until they bloom. Um, so he didn't understand that, that he needs patience, that it's not gonna be overnight that these, these plants, these, these seeds bloom. Um, but he's, he's immediately dedicated to them and wants to water them all the time now. 
Um, but in reality, all they need is, is to be planted, they need sunlight and water, and then we can pretty much leave them alone, right? Good ground should do most of the work by itself. Now think of this too. Imagine you're a farmer, you're a gardener, you desire to plant um, some flowers or vegetables or whatever it is. Um, sometimes it's a battle getting things going. But imagine how thrilled you would be if, if the ground you were planting in was good ground. That the ground just soaks in the seed, it embraces it, and then that seed springs up with life. It balances sunlight, you know, it filters it just right and the plant perfectly facilitates strong roots, the ground, it just, the, the roots just spring out and they, they plant and it's the perfect ground for it, exactly as they should, and then this plant and this good ground shoots up and bears fruit a hundredfold. Like, wow, that's so awesome. I'm so happy that I planted this flower and immediately I can go put it somewhere else. It's good ground. That's the ground that we should be, that is good ground, that we grab the word from the Lord and we hold it and we keep holding it we don't get distracted by worldly lusts or false teachers, false friends coming to argue against it. We hold it and it grows and the proof then is in fact in the pudding. Say, hey, you know, you say, hey, my pudding is the best. And you say, hey, prove it. Well, all I have to do is taste it and there's the proof. And so, hey, th this is the power of the word of God. That, this is the power that the word of God can have in someone's life. You say, okay, prove it. Well, well look at what it did. Look at the power in someone's life. It changed my life completely. It turned me around. I was heading for a life full of emptiness, vain glory, lusts and perversions, misery and pain. But look at what the Word of God has done. Look at this proof. You know, there's your proof. You can have joy. You can have hope. You can have a peace that passes all understanding. You can have, you just have to let yourself be good ground. Section number three says how to remain good ground. So again, not, not only does the sowing of seed parable apply to our evangelism and salvation, but this parable applies to our daily life and sanctification. When Jesus was faced uh, with the work, you know, Jesus was faced with the work. He, 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 he saw what needed to be done, and he decided that he needed to pray, right? Luke 22, 44 through 46, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was, as it, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, he was come to his disciples, and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And so this good ground, this good ground, if we are to be good ground, must be watered by the sweat and blood of our efforts in prayer. That's what I'm going to take from that. Our efforts in making it not about our efforts. This good ground must be moist, it must be watered. Isaiah 27 verse three says, I the Lord do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. Fury is not in me, who would set the briars and the thorns against me in battle. I would go through them, I would burn them together. Revelation 21 verse six says, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of, a, of the fountain of the water of life freely. Revelation 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Um, same chapter, verse 17. And the spirit of the bride say, come, and let him that, that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Um, and then John 4, verse 10 says, says, Jesus answered and said unto her, um, If thou knewest the gift of God, who it is uh, that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drink, uh, drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. 
but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. So the spiritual seed, the, the spiritual good ground, us, if we're going to do it, if we're going to be good ground, in order to, to grow that seed, in order to be good ground, we need that abundant watering. We need that nurturing from the water of life. We need the word of God to be the everlasting well in our souls. Key point number three, to remain good ground, uh, we must hydrate, prune, and be fruitful. So good ground needs watered, it needs the weeds kept at bay, and it needs to bring forth fruit. James 5, 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. And so it needs to be watered, but then again, patience is a big part of that. It's important to realize that we can't, just like uh, you come up to a flight of stairs, you know, you can't just teleport to the top of, top of the staircase. You gotta take one step at a time to get up the stairs, you know, patience. You can say, we're not saying I need to, you know, hear me, I'm not saying we're climbing a spiritual ladder here and, you know, there's levels to whatever, just maturity. If you're trying to climb up the staircase, you gotta take one step at a time. And it may be daunting to see how high up the next level is, but if you take one step after another step and you keep climbing in patience and do what you can do, do what's right in front of you, take the next step that you can see, well, before long you'll turn around and you're like, oh my gosh, look how, look how far up these stairs I've gone. Or look what level I'm at now, look how high I am. So you have to take one step at a time. We have to be patient, we have to be patient in the watering. We have to be patient and wait for this plant to grow right. I think uh, when you boil down this whole ministry thing at church, I mean, that's what, that's what ministry is supposed to facilitate, isn't it? Us growing, us taking steps, us, us being able to fulfill the Great Commission, us being able to exercise our gifts to multiply the kingdom, laying the right foundations, knowing what kind of ground you are. We have Bible studies, and so let's attend them. You know, not, not just go. But we have Bible studies. Seek the living water to nourish you. Don't go through the motions. This is how you remain good ground. Don't make it an obligation to go to Bible study. Pray that you would be excited by the prospect of getting into the book. Excited about getting in with a group of people and, and checking in on how they're doing. How can I minister to, to brother or sister so-and-so in my Bible study? How can I be a part? Not just go because you know you're supposed to. We have the pulpit ministry here. And so attend the services. Whenever you're sitting in a class, attend it and really listen for Hey, God, what, what would you have me to hear today from this sermon? What, what are you speaking into my life? And don't, don't just show up on Sunday because you feel like you're supposed to. We have discipleship. Let's really buy into it, you know? That's how you stay good ground is, hey, either I'm discipling or I'm being discipled or, or wherever you're at. What would, what would God have for me? What nourishment for my soul is in this process? Not just going through a book so I can get through it so I can do something else. We have fellowships, we have classes. Really be a part of them, really buy into them. You know, If you just go and leave and no one ever knows your name, well, you don't have anything to say about that fellowship, right? You haven't really participated, you don't have anything to judge about it. They're there for you. No one just arbitrarily makes a class for no good reason. These things are for us. To be good ground, to find ways to know Christ deeper, to embrace him into our lives to find a place that we can lay down these sins that so easily beset us, to run with patience, to realize that fruit comes from faith, not effort, to be with brothers and sisters who have exhausted all other options, and thus by necessity we have to fall on our faces in prayer to God, because nothing else works. When I'm broken in prayer and, and we're sweating into the ground and you join me and, and, and you and you and we all join each other in prayer over a specific soul in Bible study and we're just broken, it, it, all my best efforts have resulted in, in nothing. And so we come together as a fellowship, as, as a team, and we pray because there's nothing else we can do. God has to move. And we pray together and then God does move and that bolsters our faith and we're all saying, oh my gosh, look what God can do. 
and then you're so excited, and then that person comes and joins Bible study, and now he gets to pray with everyone else that prayed for him, and they're all praying for somebody else. That's how, that's how we, we, we reproduce fruit a hundredfold from good ground. That's how we reproduce fruit in good ground that says, hey, we, we don't have anything to give. We don't have anything to do except pray, except rely on God. And that's what these things are for. And I think, I think sometimes we just, we take ministry for granted. We, we, we see that it's there and we go because we're supposed to, and we don't see that this is so I can be good ground. This is an opportunity for me to, to, to be a part of what's going on here. And so the Word of God, um, I don't know where I am anymore. Here we go. So because nothing else works, God moves, and, and we want our faith to be increased. That's what these ministries are for. So we keep going patiently, growing our plants in this good ground. We keep growing little by little, and the next thing we know, God is doing something in our life. There was a, there was a planting here and watering there and sunlight here and pruning there, and then guess what? God gave the increase, and now, look around you. Now there's a church in Midtown. You know, there wasn't always. It had to get planted. It was a church plant. And next thing you know, there's a giant church in Midtown. And now, because of, of faithful ground, faithful plants being fruitful, now there's a church in Lee Summit. And now a church needs to get planted in Asia. I'm not, are we allowed to say up here where it is? Does that matter? I didn't know if it's like the CIA is going to bust us. <laughs> so now we need a church planted in Vietnam. You know, now we need a church that, that needs to get planted in Nairobi. You know, hey, they're spying on us. I heard some news. They're sending in spies. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, because of the fruitful ground, because of this plant, it's, it's bearing fruit. We're living out the word of God. Did you, do you remember how we read in verse 8 that it, says, that it says a faithful plant in good ground, this is my paraphrasing now, will bear fruit a hundredfold. That's just the result. Here, here, open your ears when I tell you this. A fruitful seed in, in good ground will bear fruit a hundredfold. And look around. That's what's happening. We're planting things. The, the, the fruit is falling off. That's, that's what a good plant is. That's what you want. When you plant an apple tree, I don't just plant one so I can look at it. I plant an apple tree because I want to eat apples, dang it. <laughs> so we're, we're not trying to puff ourselves up. No one's just sitting back all, all proud of how, how, how big the numbers of attendance are in Midtown. No one's doing that, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course he's not. Um, it's not about the numbers, it's not about, about the amount of leaders, it's definitely not about the money, because we don't have any. Um, it's the work of the Lord. The fruit that grows from good ground is what we celebrate. Praise God, there's another fruit. Praise God, more fruit. Praise God, another soul. What does a healthy, fruitful plant do? It reproduces. The good ground cultivates such an environment that the seed is planted and it grows roots. It germinates, it pokes through, pokes up through the ground. And with photo photosynthesis and water, it grows and grows and grows. And a fully grown plant will bear fruit. A fruit that falls and then contains within it more seeds, which start this process all over again. And listen, the seed, the word of God gets planted in good ground and the next thing you know, this is like the sci-fi part, uh, Mark 8, 24, and he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. So, you know, I'm not going to go into that, but we, we do these plants, and then the next thing you know, oh my gosh, I see men and they're walking around like trees. There you go, good ground, there's something to it. <laughs> Study it out for yourself. Um, section four, and this is, um, I mean, probably the heaviest section, but the consequences of not being good ground. And so, unfortunately, as the world is what it is, and as, you know, you look at that parable, it's only one-fourth of the ground that's good. There's a lot of ground that's not good. And so, the, the fallout of that is that, unfortunately, a lot of people are choosing to reject the Word of God, and then continuing to not allow the Word of God to be accepted in, in their ground. So, as we read earlier, it was the, at the last part of that, James that James passage, but the judge standeth at the door. And so just like a soil being unsuitable to the word of God can lead to a failure to receive salvation. So all those things are true, 
right? If, if somebody is, is too, there's too much thorns, there's too much weeds, there's too much cares of the world in their life, and you try to evangelize to them, and you know, they're not interested because there's so much going on. Just like that's true in terms of salvation, being bad soil can be detrimental to our spiritual walk and growth right now. So even if you've accepted the Word of God, even if you are saved and you're trying to grow, you can still have those things going on and, and you won't grow. You'll be stuck where you are. You'll be choking out what the Word of God can do in your life. And whether we like it or not, the judge is coming. The judge standeth at the door. Like, why is it important that we figure this out now? Because, hey, I don't know how many more days I'm going to have to be good ground. Right? This judge that stands at the door any moment now is coming to clean house. And yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice that we get to be with Jesus, but it's not going to be uh, rainbows and, and love and a, you know, a big party just yet, right? This judge is coming, and he's coming to clean house, and he's coming with fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Here's how Jesus is described coming back in Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth, righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and, his, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So that Jesus, that word of God, will return to this world before we know it. It says no man can know it. Any day, tomorrow, could, he could come tomorrow. He could come right now. He could, he could come, you know. He could come at any moment. Not the meek and the humble son of man, right? Not, not that Jesus anymore. We, we had our chance. But the holy, the mighty, the faithful and true Jesus, whose eyes blaze with fire, whose crown of thorns that we put on him is replaced with, with, with multitudes of heavenly ones. His clothes aren't washed white as snow anymore, representing our sins. His, his clothes are dipped in blood that he judges because he's his judgment on the world. This word of God will return at any moment, and you'll either be on his side or you won't. And if we are, the fire of his presence, the fire coming out of his eyes, the fire that is God, this consuming fire, will pass over and through our lives and reveal what we lived for. It will reveal the ground that we were because it's going to reveal everything that we have on that foundation, on that ground. This fire will burn through our actions and our words, our thoughts and our motives, our desires. Your sin, which has been judged already, that, that's fine. But how you surrendered your life over to God will be seen. It'll be out in the open. The fire will burn everything that we, you know, sometimes, some of us are good at having a disguise up around what we do. We show up and, and how we act around people, you know, I could, maybe people can just assume that you're doing good, everything's good. But when that fire comes through, no, you won't be able to have any of that. It's going to be very obvious what we've all done and, and how we've all surrendered to the Lord. And so it's possible, even after salvation, to have, to have become hardened towards God's plan in our life. We can be Christians, we can go to church, we can even the, read the Bible, and it doesn't matter who you are. It's possible for your heart to have hardened up. It's entirely possible for me to let the yard go. You know what I'm talking about? Like if someone had a garden or whatever, and then you just let it go. Like maybe it was good ground once. Maybe it was a nice garden one time, but he let it go. And what happens? Well, the weeds are all over now, and it's tangled, and there's just birds have wrecked it, and the deer, and whatever, whatever. You let the yard go. It's filled with all this. It's entirely possible that you were once good ground, but you've let the yard go. If we don't facilitate the proper environment for those seeds, the birds can come grab it. They can come steal it away. The consequence of being bad ground is this, that when the fiery judge comes through, Jesus, with his eyes blazing, we're left with nothing, or we never knew him to begin with, and we're just burned. Warnings are all over the Bible. Isaiah 45, verse 8 says, Drop down, ye heavens, from above. And let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation. Let's, let, let righteousness, also translated as justice, spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the pots herd strive with the pots herds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What makest thou or thy work? He hath no hands. 
Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou? Or to the woman, what hast thou brought forth? I want to emphasize that last verse. I'm going to read it again. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou? Or to the woman, What hast thou brought forth? Um, you can read that more on your own. It's very um, applicable to today's society, in, in my opinion. Um, God warns those who, are, who, who falsely speak in his name, who lead others astray. And if we look around, I think we can identify several. There's people all over that are, that are saying that they're receiving the word of God and, and, and just, they're false prophets. Jeremiah 23, verse 21. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesy. Everyone thinks they have something to say that God told them. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned, turned from their evil way and from their evil doings. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill the heaven and the earth, saith the Lord? I have heard what these prophets said, that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed and I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, he saith. To the pleasure seekers, to the, the, to the ground that's hard, to the ground that's filled with thorns. There's too much going on for the word of God to, to take up in there. Isaiah 30, this is what he says to that, verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth for strength to strengthen themselves. They're going down for strength in Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. They're going down into the world to find strength in the world, not from God. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. Behold, the name of the Lord cometh from afar, burning with his anger, and the burden thereof is heavy. His lips are full of indignation, and his tongue as a devouring fire. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard, and shall show the lighting down of his arm, and the indignation of his anger and with the flame of a devouring fire, with scattering and tempest and hailstones. And so here's another look at why it's important to be good ground, so the consequences of not. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, talks about this ground in another way. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry. So yes, he's, he's gardening. Yes, your ground here is husbandry. But also, ye are God's building. So same, same. Foundation, good ground. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man build on it upon his foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day come... Um, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So when you think about this fire, you know, Jesus Christ with his eyes burning with something. He's, he's going to pass through and he's going to blaze through our lives and we're, we're going to see what we built on that foundation. Um, we can imagine now being in the place of the Israelites. This, I mean, I've, we talked about this in, uh, 
I think I've even spoke about it up here, but we were doing it in a preach night and, and Brian Bustos um, got to preach on it. And it's just always stuck with me, this Deuteronomy 5 passage. I think when we think about our, our actions being weighed by this fire that passes through and, and we look at it in Deuteronomy 5 verse 22, it says, These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount of the midst of the fire of the cloud and of the thick darkness with a great voice, and he added no more. Uh, and he wrote unto them in two tables of stone and delivered unto them. And it came to pass, when ye heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed, us, showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. So our God is an all-consuming fire. We have heard God's voice out of the midst of the fire, and we have seen this day that God doth talk with man and he liveth. And so look, they see, they see that God can talk with man. They see God's voice coming out of this fire, talking with man, and what? He lives. They see that. And then verse 25, now therefore, why should we die? They say, what, what are you talking about? You just said that God can talk to man and he liveth. And then the next thing you're saying is, why should I die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh? Key word right there. Who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Well, they just said that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived. They just said they did that. And then they're, they're crying out saying, you know, who of this flesh has heard it, the voice of the living God and lived? So they said that man can survive after speaking with this fire. They see Moses do it. They proclaim that it's possible, but in the very same breath, they ask why they themselves should die. Because what flesh hath heard this voice of the fire and lived? Because what will remain of my life when the blazing eyes of Christ pass over the little works I've built in my foundation that he laid in my life? What's going to remain? If, if we set this all on fire, what's going to be there? Am I going to survive? Do I have anything laid up there? I've built upon the foundation. If, if the works are from my flesh, they will burn away. If they're the wood, hay, and stubble, well, that fire is going to roast them. If they're gold, silver, and precious stones, then they're going to remain. Key point number four, every work will be made manifest and every ground will be sampled. You know, like a sampling, like you take it, we have to sample water all the time as a plumber. Everyone's always, you know, wanting to know if there's sewer in their water for some reason. And so you take a sample and you send it and they analyze it and they tell you what kind of water it is or what kind of water they're getting. So that, that's your ground. It's going to be as the fire comes through, you're going to take a sample of that ground and it's going to say, yep, looks like it was good ground or, you know, there was a lot of thorns in here, you know? So you're gonna get sampled. The fire's coming. Everything about your life could boil down to a smoking foundation. And the Jesus Christ, who gave his life um, for us, who humbled and smalled himself, who allowed humanity to mock him and beat him and reject him and killed him, if we're not good ground, then we can just show up to the judgment seat in front of him. That Jesus, who went to that extent for you, to save you. And, and we're sitting in front of him at this judgment seat. He's sitting, and he says, well, what did you do in return? And, and we know, look, look at the list of everything that Jesus did for us. Look how much he did, who, how much he deserved. He, he went out of his way to small himself, to, to make him, let himself be mocked, spit on, you know, humiliated. He let himself do that, and then he's sitting, and he's saying, well, what did you do for me? And we can either show him, like, look, I've done all this. Look, look at all this stuff that survived the fire. Look how thankful I am of that sacrifice. You know, look, look what that did in my life. I wanted to be used by you. And, and I have all this gold and silver and precious stones to show for it. All right, we can either do that, or we can be bad ground, and we're sitting in front of Jesus, the judge, and he did all that for us, and he burns our foundation away, and there's nothing there. There could be nothing there. He said, what did you do for me? And you're like, well, I accepted you. How awful, you know? Dang. 
that'd be a bummer. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I don't want to do that this morning. I'm just saying we have to think about what kind of ground we are now, what kind of foundation we are, what, what we've built, because it's going to happen. We can't just pretend we don't know it's going to happen. We're going to have to give an account of everything that we did, everything that we said, how we surrendered our life, what we built for him. And I just, I mean, I pray that we have something to show for it. We have something to say like, yes, at least I appreciate you. I appreciate what you did and I've, I've, I've given my life over for you. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's obvious or not, but this is kind of a message about the, the name of um, the fellowship that we're starting at. I don't know. We're, we're going to call it Good Ground, all right? So it's going to be the Good Ground Fellowship or fel- Good Ground. I don't know. That's what we're going to call it. And uh, myself and a team of faithful ministers from the college and young adults class primarily um, are being kind of sent out, split out to start something, a Sunday morning fellowship. And we're going to start in the first week of June, um, and we're going to call it Good Ground. And so it's my prayer, and I do ask that you pray as well, um, that we would be good ground, that it would be a group of people that is determined to be good ground, that we receive the word and, and we hold fast to it, and that as people, when, when the word of God is alive in our li- that's in our lives and the seed is there, that we grab it, we don't let go of it, and that those roots grow and those fruit, that, that, that plant just explodes from it. And then what? A good ground plant in a, a plant in good ground is, is fruitful, a hundredfold. And so that's what we're trusting God to be. And I know this, that with God all things are possible, that God's the best gardener, um, that the living water is the best water, that the sun of righteousness is the best vitamin D. Um, and if we walk in faith, simple faith, then we can be the best ground. And it doesn't have to be like, just that class is good ground. I mean, I hope that we all can identify and say, hey, we want to be good ground. And, and we can be fruitful and we can have something to show. And not because we, we tried the hardest, but, but, but because we prayed the most. <laughs> because we let God do the most. Because we let him water us. Because we, we, we let him grow the plant. Because I didn't try to get in the way. I just yielded myself to that. You know, we can all do that. We can all have a part. And so the parable that we read in verse 8, Luke verse, chapter 8, verse 8 says, And the other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears, let him hear. And he explained it this way, But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word of God, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So that, that's the call, is that we would be good ground, that we would we'd be in patience and with a good heart, having the word of God, we keep it. And we let that plant grow. We let God do something. Not, not to try and be the cool guy, not, and try to, not to try to be the best counselor or, or to try to be the right mold, but just simply let God do what he would do. Simply say, hey, God, I have faith, and that's it. He's like, good, that's all you need. I have faith that you can do something with me if I'm good ground. And he says, all right, I'll take it from here. And, and he does it. He gives the increase, not the plant, not the water. And so, I guess I'm going to ask like, the praise team to kind of come up and we'll give a little invitation here. Um, today, it's important to understand that it, we don't have a lot of time. You know, we don't know if, if, if I'm going I'm to have another week to get this whole Jesus thing figured out. If I'm going to have another month to, to get this thing figured out. I don't know. And so it's very important for us to understand, one, if we've accepted Jesus Christ or not. And so I'm, I'm going to invite you guys to come forward if, if you, okay, there's two things. If you don't know that, that you've accepted the seed of the Word of God in terms of salvation. So if, if I don't know that I'm going to be in heaven with Christ, or if I'm going to be in hell, you know, without Him when I die, if I don't know that, that's one thing that you're going to need to come forward and figure out today, all right? I don't know what, what's going to happen to me when I die. And if that's you, today we're here. Like there's going to be people up front and they're going to pray with you and we're going to help understand. Not, not that we have an agenda. We don't care about numbers. We're not trying to add anything to, to the class. We're not trying to say, hey, look at how many people prayed or whatever. No one cares about that. What we care about is, is if you've accepted Jesus, if you know him as your Lord and Savior, 
Because what we believe, if we're honest, if I believe that if you don't know Jesus and you die, you're going to go to hell, how horrible of a person would I have to be to not tell you that? Like, how much would I have to not care about you to not just be honest and say, hey, I, I want you to believe in Jesus because of this. It's just being honest. No one's trying to deceive you or trick you or add numbers to anything. So that's the first thing. Um, if you don't know where you're going or you don't know what kind of ground you are, you don't know how you've accepted the seed or not, if you come forward, we, we can deal with that. And then secondly, if, if you look at your life right now and you don't know what kind of ground you are, you don't know, you're not confident about how, how you wrestle with the seed of the Word of God right now. If I don't know what kind of ground I am right now, we'll also, also come forward and we can pray with you. We can talk about that. It's, hey, I've been having a hard time just walking with the Lord re recently. I've been having a hard time feeling like He loves me. I've been having a hard time. Whatever it is, come forward. That, that's what counselors are for. That's what, that's what the body is for. So that we can encourage one another and we can not that I have anything to tell you, not that these counselors do, but they can say, hey, well, this is what Jesus said, and this is, what I, this is where I go to when I'm having a hard time. Let's, let's go here together, and then together we can knit ourselves, and that ground can, can, can manifest together, and we can all be faithful plants together, you know? And so, what have you, that, that's the, the invitation, I guess. Um, the praise team's gonna play a little bit, but if you're a counselor, um, if you, there, there'll be people up here. I'm going to pray and then um, just come forward if you need to. All right? Uh, Father, we love you so much um, and so thankful for, for who you are. God, I'm, I'm so thankful for, for how you humble yourself. And it's crazy that the God who, who is faithful, who is true, the Alpha, the Omega, allows me to just talk and allows me to just pray, and you interpret, and you're not offended, and you just, you just want to be my friend. The, the God who's coming back on a white horse as a soldier to, to, to judge the world is my friend and just wants to listen to me talk. Um, God, it's wild. Thank you so much for, for what you've done in our lives, Lord. I pray today, if there's anyone that doesn't know you as a friend, as a Lord and a Savior, Lord, I pray that, that you would give them courage to come down front and to, to get that right, to, to find out how they can know you, because you want to be their friend. You want to save them. You want to be with them. Lord, I pray for that. And anyone today, Lord, that doesn't know if they're good ground or, or, or can't say that I have a healthy relationship with Jesus right now, I pray that you'd give them strength to come forward as well, or at least get that right, or, or pray with their neighbor or their friend, whoever invited them. <laughs> Whoever's here today, Lord, I pray that we would be honest. I pray that we would be willing to get right with you. I pray that we could all reckon that we have today to figure things out, and we don't know if we have tomorrow, and so it's worth being right with you today. Uh, Lord, we love you so much, and we put all these things in your hands because you are good, you are powerful, you are strength, you are everything. Lord, we, we ask that you would be honored and glorified this morning, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.